We are so excited to announce that our book, Moving to Colorado, is available for purchase on Amazon. If you are thinking of moving to Colorado or know someone who is, this book is the perfect resource. You will find answers to questions like what are the best neighborhoods, what are the best jobs available, and what is the average cost of living. Moving to Colorado should be fun and exciting, not stressful and full of unknowns. Use this book as a blueprint for a broad range of information about housing, neighborhoods, culture, lifestyle, taxes, employment, and even the weather. It's complete with research, details, and personal experience from both a newcomer and native's perspectives. Moving to Colorado, a guide for what it costs and where to live on the front range, will help you reduce the unknowns so you can plan your move with ease. Go to hashtag coloradolife.com book to get your copy on Amazon. Did you know that in most places in Colorado, it is cheaper to rent than it is to own? This is partly due to the housing market outpacing wages in 87% of the counties across the state. And this isn't just true for Colorado, but nationwide, with almost 60% of the reported counties having the same trend. I'm Ryan, a born and raised Colorado native. I'm Carrie, a Texas transplant and a Colorado newcomer. And we're a married couple living along the Front Range in Colorado. And this is the Hashtag Colorado Life Podcast, where we share accessible adventures to help you explore like a local. We are really excited about today's topic because we're doing something a little bit different and making this episode more conversational. We're talking about what it's like to buy a home in the competitive real estate market of Colorado from our personal perspective and our personal experience. And at the time of this recording, housing prices in Colorado can be quite shocking, Uh, especially if you're coming here from another state, but also it could be kind of affordable if you're coming from other areas, like let's say the Bay Area or something like that. Mm -hmm. I'm actually part of several Facebook groups for being a transplant to Colorado, and there's always a lot of chatter about this topic, and a lot of people find it downright depressing. So for example, I'm in this Texas Transplants to Colorado Facebook group. So there are a lot of people who find it shocking, like you said, to move from Texas prices to Colorado real estate prices. And it feels like you get so little square footage for the money. And this was one of my concerns too. So that's what we're going to discuss today. And if buying a house in Colorado is still a good investment, because like you said, it's not all bad when it comes to buying a home. My background is in accounting and taxes. I actually went to business school and have a tax certification. So when I started this process, I had an idea of what was involved with buying a home, but definitely as we dove more into it and went through the whole process, there was a lot more that I learned, especially in Colorado specifically. Originally, when we were living in Texas, we kind of just decided that it was time to move and it kind of just landed on Colorado and we moved to Boulder, which had some pretty shocking housing cost prices Mm -hmm. changes from there. And I was pretty happy that we moved into an apartment first because it gave us a good amount of like buffer, like a good amount of time before we started to look for a house. I mean, we started looking right away, but we didn't feel rushed. We didn't feel like, you know, We were moving out of Texas and we had to move into a place. We had no idea about the area, no idea about the the, uh, neighborhoods or anything. Mm -hmm. So I was really happy that we tried, did the apartment thing. I would totally suggest doing like the apartment thing for like at least six months while you get to know the area, get to know what you like and what you don't like. Well, that's one thing I'm going to share later in this episode of like little known tips. And the one thing that you should do or you could do to get an extra like first time homebuyers credit is to be in an apartment for at least two years before you buy a home. 
that will help you. But we'll talk more about that. So yes, I agree that it is was a really good idea for us to get an apartment first because we were able to take advantage of that credit. And also, it we actually spent three years in our apartment before we decided we wanted to look at buying a home. Yes, it's expensive to live here, and it definitely becomes more costly by the day. Pretty much, it seems, by the day. Yeah, no joke. I mean, it's been a year and a half at the time of this recording since we purchased our home in actually Colorado Springs because we realized very quickly that Boulder was totally out of our budget. Mm -hmm. Um, Even parts in Denver were totally out of our budget. Um, but it, our house has appreciated in just a year and a half by about twenty-five dollars to $30,000, which to me is just crazy. I, I mean, I guess I'm a small town Texas girl, but that just seems, I mean, you could almost buy a house in Texas for that appraisal value that has increased, like twenty-five k. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can totally get a house. Yeah. There are a lot of things also to keep in mind when it comes to buying a house. There is like, there's so much paperwork. I remember when I was in high school, one of my teachers had to take a day off because he was buying a house. And I I, I didn't understand it at the time. But no, it's because he was signing papers Mm -hmm. all day long. I I completely understand it now. And also, the Colorado uh, real estate market, it moves so quickly. Like, if you don't move in there that day, you can't lollygag at all. If If you don't, like, move that day to try to, try to, like, get something to check it out at the very least, it's most likely going to be gone. Yes, I totally agree because when we saw the home that we have right now, it was listed and offers put in and taken off the market in two days. Mm -hmm. Literally two days, 48 hours. (laughs) Luckily, we were that. Yes, we were very fast because we'd been looking for a while um, and we really wanted... We, this house had everything that was on our list. So, but going back to the paperwork, I do just want to clarify that we're talking about when you need to get a mortgage. So if you're paying cash for a house, obviously there's way less paperwork. You don't have to prove your income. You don't have to go through all of the bank stuff. You don't have to send them all of the financial reports and everything. I mean, you know, if we had cash to pay a house, that'd be great. So, yeah. but this is if you need a mortgage, which most of us do. <laughs> so the big question here is what can you really afford I know that when we applied for our mortgage or we first started shopping around, we ended up just going to one of those like, you know, quick and easy mortgage calculators. We put in our income and just kind of it spit out an outrageously huge number. And I know that you probably didn't believe it completely, but I was like, oh, my God, (laughs) we're going to be we're going to be able to get like whatever we want. This is seven hundred thousand (laughs) dollar budget. Yeah. So I just started like looking at stuff in that budget and it was it was so stupid. It was such a bad call. So don't believe that. Don't don't pull a Ryan. Well, a mortgage calculator only has so much information, right? And one of the things that it didn't really showcase is the fact that we are self-employed, full-time self-employed, and we run our own businesses. You're a chef, and I have multiple online businesses that I have run over the years. And so it's different than a conventional job. So, you know, having a W-2 is obviously going to make the process even simpler. As someone who was self-employed, I had a business at that time that was, you know, full-time for seven years, and I had to submit all my business paperwork and everything. So an online mortgage calculator doesn't necessarily know that. And so we were definitely disappointed that when we went online to look at it, there were so many other things that came into play that were not calculated. And, uh, we did not have an idea of a realistic budget until we started the pre-approval process. So talking about the online mortgage calculators, um, don't forget to add in your any like additional fees that you have. 
Um, you also have to account for the private mortgage insurance or PMI that you may or may not have to pay depending on like the down payment size that you have. Mm -hmm. There's also going to be real estate tax, home insurance costs. And then also the one that always just really blows my mind is the cost and upkeep and maintenance of the house itself. Yes. Upkeep and maintenance of just even moving into the house. So moving costs to get into the house from your apartment, you know, any sort of things that you would have to do to clean the house or small repairs that'll have to be done during the inspection process. All of that. Um, we're going to dive into more of that too in our conversation here, but all of that needs to be added into your total mortgage payment to see if you can really afford it. Mm -hmm. Because quite frankly, why would you want to move to Colorado and then put all of your money into a mortgage payment so that you can never go out and have adventures or discover the state. It's true. You don't. You yeah. want to stay on budget. So first step that we recommend is to get pre-approved for a mortgage. Like we said, it will give you a really good idea of what your actual budget is because this is what the bank is going to approve you for. So how much money you're going to get for your mortgage. Um, if you have money saved up, obviously you can afford a bigger home or one that is more expensive. For us, we had a smaller down payment, so we did not have as big of a budget as we wanted. So the bank was really helpful to get pre-approved. Mm -hmm. This is also one of those things that sellers really love seeing. Like if you have a pre-approval notice or a letter from your bank, they know you're serious and they also know you've been pre-approved for this amount. So you're more likely to close on the deal, right? It's not going to fall through. Yeah, they just see that you're like ready to go. Mm -hmm. And if you're ready to go, they're ready to go too. It's easy to start an online application at a bank that you're already a customer with. And we would actually really recommend going to a local credit union or one of the community banks in your area. Um, they offer usually some better rates than the big ones. I know that we went to one of the major banks. We went to Chase first and they gave us a budget that was seriously like $200,000 less mm -hmm. than what we actually got from one of the other banks. Yeah, sometimes when you are a customer at a bank, um, especially a big traditional bank like Chase or Wells Fargo or all that, it's harder to get really good rates and, you know, have somebody work with you because pretty much they're set on like, if this is what your credit score is or this is what your income is, this is how much you're approved for. That's it. Right. But community banks or credit unions are a lot more flexible and they're obviously a lot more about the community and helping people in that area and sometimes even more specific to Colorado. So that's actually ultimately what we went ended up going with was a, a community bank here in Colorado Springs. So that was really helpful. And we got our budget. I think Chase said they were going to give us about $160,000. And the community bank said they would give us up to $300,000. So yeah. totally different budget. And the best time to get pre-approved for a mortgage is about 30 to 90 days before when you plan to actually buy the house itself. Yeah, a lot of people think that, you know, okay, so you're going to start the home buying process, right? It could be many years from when you want to buy a home, you have to save up a bunch of money, and then you purchase it. Um, so you want to do it much sooner to when you actually buy the home, because your pre-approval rate could change in six months or even three months, um, depending on, you know, your credit situation and your income. You also have to be prepared to answer questions like how much debt you have, and what your credit score is and how long you've been in business, if you have your own business and any other like sort of details that they feel like they need to dive into. You're basically going to be signing your life away and explaining your life away. Yeah. You know, how much you make and why do you make this and how long have you been in business and what is your credit score and have you ever filed for bankruptcy? It's a tons of questions. To start the house hunting process, it's pretty simple to get the pre-qualification letter or pre-approval letter, that's what it's called. It's basically just a piece of paper that's going to show how much the loan will be for, the interest rate you're expected to get, and the expiration date you have for this letter to be valid. 
Most homeowners and lenders require a pre-approval letter before you can officially put in an offer. Um, like I said, uh, sellers really like to see this as something that's very serious. So if you don't have a pre-approval letter already, it will help your offer stand out a lot more. And don't get discouraged if your bank doesn't give you the amount that you're looking for. Just seriously, shop around. Mm -hmm. Especially the community places and credit unions, they will try to work with you and they will try to give you the best deal possible because they do want to help you. Another point about really understanding what it costs to buy a home is to not forget the closing costs. So these can definitely add up to thousands of dollars. I mean, our closing costs total for the mortgage and all of the bank fees and everything was about $8,000 on top of our down payment. And it was quite a lot of money. You know, I wasn't expecting to have to pay that. And in Colorado, usually when you close on a home, the seller pays pays the both real estate fees. So we didn't have to pay that part, thankfully, but um, sometimes that might change. The deal may be totally different. So you want to have some money saved up for the closing costs. A down payment will really, really help avoid any of that PMI, the, the private mortgage insurance, and it really will reduce your monthly cost. I mean, it's like taking hundreds of dollars off of your monthly payment for your mortgage. Yeah, so private mortgage insurance is basically where if your home, it has a loan that's more than 80% of the value of the house, you need an extra insurance. So you have your homeowner's insurance and the private mortgage insurance on top of that. So that's why the recommended amount for a down payment is 20%. Obviously, 80 and 20 is 100% of the value of the home. So they're trying to basically cover their bases, right? Yeah. Um, the good news, though, that I do want to share is that you can get into a home with as little as 3.5% down if you use something like an FHA loan or a VA loan or something like that. Um, but PMI will still kick in if your equity is, like I said, less than 20% of the value of your home. So let's just talk about the average cost of a home sold in Colorado at the time of this recording is about $379,000. And this is according to Zillow. 20% of that is a lot of money. Yeah. That's like sixty, seventy thousand dollars mm -hmm. That that's a lot of money to save up. So unless you have a long time to save up for that money and additional for closing costs and everything else, it may not be feasible to reach twenty percent. Yeah. Which is why they gave us the option to put down three and a half percent and we got an FHA loan, which worked out great for us. The most common way to pay for PMI is to just have it rolled into your monthly payments uh, and put it into an escrow account. In addition to prepaying real estate taxes and homeowner insurance, we pay an additional $200 a month for our PMI. An escrow account is really helpful because they do prepay your real estate taxes for you. You have your homeowner's insurance that works with them and you get billed out of that. And then the private mortgage insurance comes out of there as well. So it's all one big monthly payment that you make and the escrow account takes care of everything else. So it's not like you have to pay for it all separately, um, which is, you know, a good thing and maybe a not so good thing, but PMI can definitely cost more. So in an ideal world, yes, save 20% if you can. There is a way to get rid of PMI and it's actually by uh, going through the entire thing and refinancing, but you have to pay all of the closing costs again. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like you got to crunch the numbers and figure out if it's better for you to just keep on going, pay that X amount of money, or would you rather drop $8,000 right now yeah. and get rid of it? If you're going to be in the home for a long time, like if let's say you're going to live in it for 10, 15, 20 years, it may be worth it to wait until you've paid down to the 80% to 20% value range and then refinance it and pay all of those things over. Hopefully get a better interest rate and then you know you'll recoup that cost in the coming years because you are planning on being there a while. So let's move on to real estate agents and how to find one. 
First thing you want to look at is if they have the right credentials. And it works from state to state. Each place will be completely different. Um, and they have to be licensed within the state. So make sure that they have a valid license um, and are working at a reputable firm. And it's pretty simple nowadays. You can just do a quick online search for like the firm and they'll have all of their agents listed. So it's pretty easy to find if somebody's legit or not. Um, and to become a licensed real estate agent, you must complete a pre-license education and you have to like uh, work at a firm for a while and kind of be like an apprentice. And then you have to pass the state real estate license examination. And don't be afraid to work with multiple real estate agents, maybe not at one time, but going through and testing and kind of seeing if each one works with you. So we went through three mm -hmm. real estate agents, I think. Uh, we started off with one in Boulder who was a friend of ours, was really great. And then we realized that our budget was not a Boulder friendly budget. <laughs> so then we started, of course, looking around in other areas and eventually landed on the Springs. So we changed to an agent who was in Colorado Springs. And then he ended up not being a good fit, I think mostly because he was just super busy. Yeah. And like we talked about, you have to move fast. We need these numbers. We need this information today. We need to go see a house today. Um, and so then we found somebody else and she worked out really great. She actually became our real estate agent. So, you know, if it's not working, don't commit to it because it needs to be mutually beneficial for everyone involved. And if they're too busy or if they have stuff going on personally or if it's not a good fit, like somebody is not answering your calls or they're just not showing up on time or whatever, like you need to move fast in Colorado. So yeah. you need someone who moves fast with you. Mm -hmm. Totally agree. Let's talk about some surprises that can come up when you buy a home in Colorado. Well, for one, it moves fast. Mm -hmm. So like, I know we keep saying it, but it's true. Cause you think that when you watch like a, a house hunters, like we're talking about, yes. they look at like two or three homes and they go for like four or five days yeah, they meander or whatever. Through. No, yeah. you cannot do that here, at least in the current market. And if you're re even remotely interested in seeing a certain home, take a tour of it that day or the next day, like really. So since we lived in Boulder and we were buying a home in Colorado Springs, we thankfully had your parents who were able to come and help out. And they toured the home before we you know, had a chance to come see it because obviously we worked during the week and everything. So if you have that capability or let's say that you're you know, moving from Texas because we have friends who've done that. Come here in the whole, like the whole week that you're going to be here, plan on buying a home yeah. and that in that time. So do your research and everything, but it's going to move fast. And at the very least nowadays with technology, like with FaceTime and video yeah. casting, I don't know. It makes it a whole lot easier to actually be able to see the house yourself. And seeing a home like that is never going to feel as real and it's never going to give the true scope of uh, actually being there yourself and seeing it all the details, everything that it has to offer. How can you help make sure that a buyer gets a home? What are some like little tips or some little known tips that you have? Well, one thing that we found was the housing assistance in Colorado is really great. For Colorado residents, they can have access to a mortgage assistance program that's called Colorado Housing and Finance Authority, which is CHFA. And it offers prospective home buyers several different programs and grants to encourage homeownership. So you can definitely check that out and see if it's a good fit for you. We also got uh, offered down payment assistance help from our bank. It's not something that we ended up using in the end, but it's basically where they were going to help us pay for the rest of our down payment, you know, to reach that 20% mark or at least some of it. 
And um, then in the end, so if you ever sell your home, you need to repay that amount out of the amount of that you've sold the home for. So we didn't need it at the time or want it because we wanted to be able to possibly keep the home, like we're in the home right now and we want to keep it for maybe an investment or a long-term home. And we didn't want to have to worry about taking the money out of our future profits to repay for this down payment assistance help. I also know that military families and vets, uh, they can get help with their payments or even go to a no down payment option that is available. And here in Colorado Springs, it's just such a big military presence that it's something that we were questioned about because it's just something that comes up that often. One little known tip that I definitely want to mention is an escalation clause. And if you've never heard of this, it was super vital for us to actually purchase our home. So you should definitely ask your real estate agent about it. But an escalation clause is actually a section that's included in your offer when you draft up that official offer to purchase the home. And you're basically saying that you are going to offer a certain amount of money. And then if the seller receives a higher offer, you're willing to speed up the negotiation process, so escalate it, um, to go up to a certain amount in order to win. So for example, our house was listed for 272, we offered 276,000, included an escalation clause that we would negotiate quickly up to $281,000. And we actually won um, because another couple offered $277,000. But since our escalation clause was in there, we beat out any of the other offers and the seller accepted. So you know, if you don't have that, you might actually lose out on the house by, say, only $500 or $1,000 even. Right. Yeah, basically, it's all about speed in this process. Uh, if you were to just go up in $1,000 increments without the escalation clause, the real estate agent would have to call you each time, draw mm -hmm. up a whole nother contract each time and do it. It just slows down the entire process. So having that escalation clause and having the real estate agent essentially able to offer up to this amount of money that you have pre-approved her to go to or them to go to, mm -hmm. it just made the process so much quicker. And I really think that that is the major like uh, appeal of the escalation clause. 100%. And that also goes in with a quick agent response time. If your agent is kind of like namby-pamby or just like way too busy or something, there's a good chance that you're going to miss out on the home that you really have just like fallen in love with. One thing I really appreciated about our real estate agent is they she recommended that we put an offer on this house. Like many of the other houses she sent us or that we looked at, she was just kind of like, well, if this is great, let me know, you know, whatever. But this one, she's like, I think you guys should make an offer. And we asked your mom to come over here and look at it. Mm -hmm. She told us we need to make an offer. And we actually made an offer sight unseen. And then we came the next day and, and previewed it. And then we came back again for a second showing. So it was, it worked very quickly. Within two days, we had our offer. We had the, you know, contract going and everything. It was even taken off the market. It was really nice to have her recommendation like I think this house has everything that you told me you were looking for and I recommend that you put an offer on it now so you don't lose it also having that pre-approval really mm -hmm. helped out in that situation too all those things were like you said it's all about speed you got a pre-approval letter they know you're serious you have the escalation clause you found the house make the offer like you can't second guess yourself this isn't like trying on a hundred wedding dresses to see <laughs> if you can find the right one right this one is gonna do go for it <laughs> it's interesting that you bring that up because when I think about it, I love this house. I love where we live. But if we would have just looked at a house one week later, we probably would have been in a completely different house. Mm -hmm. 
but I'm sure that that house would have been perfect for us too. Oh, so yeah. it's it's just like you don't have to find the perfect thing that ticks every single box because each house kind of is the perfect thing for that time. Plus, it's in Colorado. You can't really go wrong. Yeah, it's true. All of them are pretty good. The time of year also has a lot of determining factor in the housing prices and the inventory plus the cost of moving. So, you know, if you can avoid moving, say, at the end of summer, which... We moved at the end of summer, so maybe not the greatest. Um, and springtime, those are all really busy, like when the people are going back to school or they're graduating and everyone's moving and like fresh starts and all that. There's a lot more inventory, but there's also usually a lot more competition and the housing prices are higher. So if you wanted to buy a house and move in the middle of winter, say, you may not have as many choices, but you also won't have as much competition. Yeah, it's kind of like if you want to go buy a car and if you want to buy a convertible, mm-hmm. go buy it in winter. Exactly. So move with the season. Definitely subscribe to uh, notifications from your realtor. A lot of them actually have uh, apps and website portals that will give you access to seeing pictures and seeing what houses are available in the area that you're looking at. Yeah, they'll send you like new notifications every day even. And at the very least, check out those real estate apps like Zillow or Realtor at least daily. There's pictures of our house on both Zillow and Realtor, but the ones on Zillow were like these old, defunct, just terrible pictures. Old ones, and we yeah. could see like this there was like a smoker that lived here and the houses or the walls were like brown. But on Realtor, it was like brand new and golden and beautiful and exactly what we got. So definitely check out both of them because one could be updated and the other one could not. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this tip is one that I want to share, which I do feel is very like little known secret, and it's to use a Roth IRA withdrawal. So uh, an IRA is an individual retirement account, and if you don't have a Roth IRA already, and it's individual, so you and your husband can have one, or you and your spouse can have one, um, and all each of your kids, I highly suggest getting it going. It is basically like free money, so you're contributing um, after-tax money, so it's money you've already paid taxes on. And the interest in everything, the earnings that you accrue within the account are tax-free. So you can always take money out of your IRA without any penalties and anything as long as it is what you've contributed. And then when you take the earnings out, when you're, say, retired or whatever, it's completely free of taxes as well. So it's basically like too good to be true, win-win, totally worth it. But anyway, so if you don't have a Roth, definitely get one. But um, when you're buying your first home, the cool thing is, is you're allowed to withdraw up to $10,000 of the investment earnings from your Roth IRA with no taxes or penalties. So the stipulation is that you have to have your account open for at least five years before you you know, take advantage of this withdrawal um, credit. And it has to be used as a first time home buyer. But I will sort of explain that the rules are super flexible here because we were not necessarily first time home buyers. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were together, but... You're considered a first-time home buyer as long as you and your spouse haven't owned a principal residence in the last two years. So that's why I was saying, like, if you want to, you know, get into an apartment, have it for at least two years, even if you move from, like, another house, because then you can reset it and then use this $10,000 withdrawal from your IRA. I feel like they put in this, like, bureaucratic mumbo-jumbo about first-time homeowners and stuff like this just to kind of deter people. Yeah, I don't know. But, I mean, it's your money, and you can take it out any time, really, so... Now, closing day is usually scheduled 30 days after the offer has been accepted and the property is put under contract. Uh, So expect to get a lot of closing-related tasks from getting the home inspected to making uh, requests for repairs and getting the city appraiser to sign off on the deal. Having said all that, (laughs) 
let's get to the real question of this is, is buying a home in the square state still a good investment? Yeah, definitely. I agree. Okay, uh, that's that. The end. (laughs) Well, let's explain a little bit. So for now, housing prices continue to rise, right? The, The Colorado real estate market is white hot. You can pretty much expect that your home is going to increase in equity and mm-hmm. in value and you should be able to sell it in a few years if you wanted to and get all of your money out plus more right so that's a good investment right yeah colorado's popularity also continues to spike with no signs of slowing down so there's tons of people moving here the job market is increasing right so there's always demand for people buying homes especially for people who want to move here from out of state or if they're going to school so you know the economy is definitely booming and i feel like that everyone's going to want a house um, or even to rent houses that Mm -hmm. has become a really popular thing too Real estate taxes are much lower than a state like Texas, mostly because Colorado actually has state tax while Texas doesn't. So that can affect your monthly mortgage payments as well. And what advice would you give to anyone who's worried about the prices and thinking that they're too inflated right now? They're too inflated right now. Well, see, but that's the thing is, <laughs> unless you have a crystal ball in front of you, you're never going to know. So I just say, go for it. I do think that they're too inflated. But like I said, the demand keeps going. The housing market keeps rising. And when you look at, you know, like the indicators of whether a market is hot or cold or sort of medium, a lot of the Colorado cities are in the like hot range or cooling down, but they're still like steadily rising, right? Even uh, during the recession of 2008, Boulder's real estate market basically stayed the same. So instead of increasing, it Mm -hmm. just kind of stayed the same, which is... You know, that's a really good sign of an investment is like even in a recession, a lot of the Colorado homes and cities hold their value. I think that they're still inflated. Like our house is 1,200 square feet and we paid $274,000 for it, which to me from Texas just sounds crazy. But we got a lot of value. It's a really nice house. It was ready to move in, completely renovated. And with the location and everything else, you know, you look at your list and you determine if it's worth it for you. Sticker shock. It's real. We should go look at Zillow in San Francisco. No. And see what our, this house would be there. It'd well, yes. probably be like many millions. Someone moving from California would find this a really good mm-hmm. deal, right? So yeah it's, yeah, it's all about perspective. What do you think home buying will look like in the next like five to 10 years? Well. More expensive. Yeah, it's definitely going to be unless something major happens. Uh, but yeah, it's probably just going to keep going up. Yeah, I know that Areas like Castle Rock and Colorado Springs, uh, Fort Collins, all of those are expanding. They're building homes like daily, multiple minutes homes are probably Mm -hmm. coming up. (laughs) They're just building them so quickly for the demand. So I think it's going to get higher. So if you're thinking about buying a house in Colorado, do it now. Get into the market now and then you'll be able to like, you know, sell it or keep it and have a really great, you know, rate. So if you can get a fixed mortgage rate, that'd be great for 30 years and take advantage of the market right now. So what about buying a forever home versus a starter home? I know that for me, just personally, this house was initially just going to be a starter home. But after living here for a year and a half, I love it so much that if this was my forever home, I wouldn't be too upset by that. Mm hmm. Yeah, same. Um, I've talked to some friends and people in Facebook groups, too, where they've noticed that when you come from a different state, especially, and you're buying a home in Colorado, it's harder to buy a forever home because it's so expensive. I mean, 
we're in a starter home. It was, you know, just under $300,000 basically. And if you wanted a forever home, it's probably going to be four or five, six, seven hundred thousand $700,000 even. So you might have to start with a starter and then upgrade to your forever home. And that might just be the reality of it. I mean, that's not necessarily the best option unless you can find a really great deal and spend time making your forever home, your custom home and, and, you know, working on renovating it and things like that. All right, at the end of every show, we like to wrap up with a tip for finding free or affordable activities in Colorado. So for this episode, we're talking about buying a home in Colorado. And one thing I wanted to mention is find a real estate agent who helps you stick to your budget. (laughs) Yeah. I know this sounds sort of like, well, yeah, Carrie, we know that. But a lot of real estate agents will use your budget as like a starting point. Mm -hmm. And then they'll just show you anything around that area, especially if you're moving there really quickly and you have, you know, you don't have time to waste. But don't let them take you to homes that are out of your budget because you'll basically want to buy them, right? You see this home that's too expensive, you can't afford it, but it's so much better and it has all these amenities and the location is great and you want it. But then it's hard to pay for it. It's hard to go through the process. Or maybe you'll make an offer and it doesn't get accepted and you have to start all over. And then you could miss out on all those homes. So this is the best frugal tip we could offer you when buying a home in Colorado. Find a real estate agent who will stick in your budget and show you houses that are within that range. Yeah, I do feel like some real estate agents look at the tippy top of your budget and say, this is a good jumping off point. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, that pretty much sums up this episode. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. And to learn more about this episode and the resources that we shared, visit our website, hashtag coloradolife.com. And if you like the show, please leave us a review. It helps us get discovered by new listeners, and we'd love to hear what episodes you enjoy. And we'd love to learn more about your home buying journey, so hit us up on Instagram at hashtag coloradolife. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, get out there and hopefully have a smooth home buying process.